The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, joined as always by chief editor and data guru, Zacho. How's it going, Zach? How you doing, Hat? Doing okay. We finally have news about the new expansion. Very excited about that. But before we get into that, we should talk a little bit about some dates coming up. There will be a data report on Thursday, the 23rd. That should cover the new post-patch meta. And we should have a podcast that weekend as well. It should be recorded on the 24th and published on Saturday, the 25th. Um, now, this episode... We have very, very early impressions, but things are still changing. But we also will take some time to talk about the new expansion, Skolomance Academy. Let's jump right in. We've got a pretty dense show. Zach, it has been three days. I doubt we have conclusive data yet, but what are you seeing so far? We're going to go class by class, but what is the big picture impression you're getting? Okay, so the patch definitely changed the meta, but the meta is very much unrefined there are a lot of experimentations there's a lot of there are a lot of decks that are not good and there are a lot of good decks that are not played enough uh, i actually have doubts that this meta will be solved by the time the new expansion launches because there's probably not enough time uh, to figure everything out um, obviously the next data reaper report on the 23rd will provide uh, some more clarity on uh, on what's happening, but that will be the last report for Ashes of Outland. After that, we're taking a break and we'll be working on pre-expansion content, uh, the card preview and the theory crafting article. So uh, for now, we have uh, the opportunity to kind of play in around a meta that's not really well known or well established. Yeah, it's something I noticed. This feels like the most impactful balance change outside of, of course, Day 1 Demon Hunter. Uh, it's really, really different on the ladder so far. So, speaking of Demon Hunter, what are you seeing so far? It looks like the popular inclusion is Escaped Mana Saber in this deck. Uh, well, I did suggest Mana Saber last week, but it's actually not seeing enough play right now. It's probably the best way uh, to adjust to the, to the balance changes, but most players are currently running pre-patch builds uh, and that affects the win rate of Demon Hunter because Demon Hunter right now doesn't look very powerful. It's still looking like one of the stronger decks of the format, but it's not the best one. Uh, It also dropped in popularity quite significantly and it doesn't look like an oppressive meta tyrant anymore. So the nerfs did seem to have an impact. However... Uh, it probably just needs to find a way to adjust to the balance changes, mostly um, the five mana slot and the four mana slot, basically the mid game. Since uh, Warglaves is more expensive now, it's very punishing not to have a turn five play with the deck. The only option you have is adapt while having an Umberwing equipped. If you don't have that, you kind of just sit and do nothing, and that's very, very punishing. So one thing I recommend uh, is running Mana Sabers. Uh, there is a build by Papa Jason that dropped Chaos Strikes for the two Mana Sabers and also dropped Altruis for the second uh, Frozen Shadow Weaver. These are the changes compared to the VS pre-patch build. Um, I took that build to ladder a little bit over the last couple of days and it performed very well for me. That's an anecdote. Again, no not enough data behind it, but that's probably what you need to do because what from what I've seen, uh, the pre-patch builds have an issue in the mid-game. So make these changes, make these adjustments. Demon Hunter is still probably going to become better after these adjustments, and then it's probably going to be one of the best decks in the format, um, but not a deck that's like beats everything and anything. Um, so that's an encouraging sign, but Demon Hunter is not going anywhere. Yeah, I think as long as that hero power still costs one, we should expect to see Demon Hunter, but I agree, my experience playing it, uh, that mid-game just felt empty unless you happen to have an Umberwing and you could hold a charge, so 
Uh, glad to hear that Mana Saber is looking encouraging. Now, as far as Druid goes, has anything changed with this deck? So, in one sentence, Druid looks garbage. Really? Druid looks really, really bad on ladder right now. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised myself, but the Fungal Fortune change, it hurt Spell Druid so much. It just... The early game is weaker, the late game... Like, in theory, you could rationalize, okay, so Druid still, you know, AFKs in the early game anyway. You remember what we talked about last week. But Fungal Fortunes was the best card in the deck. The card got a 50% hit. The deck definitely feels it throughout every stage of the game. And Druid, the Spell Druid right now performs at possibly even a Tier 4 level which is amazing because the deck is still popular. It just, the win rate just crashed super hard. It also does very poorly into Hunter, which we'll talk about a little um, in just a few minutes. But it just doesn't seem to have any strong matchup that it can thrive off of in the current meta. And just Druid just looks very, very weak. And there's no real way to adjust to the balance changes because, you know, just you, you can't really replace Fungal Fortunes. It's not like Demon Hunter where you can just add a card and, and bridge an, a gap that was opened up in the deck. Here, you're just, you're just left stranded with the Fungal Fortunes that cost three. And the early game is, as I said, throughout all stages of the game, this change is felt by the deck. Well... I admit I'm having trouble feeling bad that Spell Druid is bad, but uh, I don't think I expected Fungal Fortune to be that significant. Well, is there another Druid strategy, or is it just we're waiting for the next expansion at this point? It's very possible that Druid is just dumped, dumpster. It's just done. Um, it's it's incredible, but um, it just doesn't look. I mean, it's not Shaman pre-patch done, sure. right? It's not unplayable like shaman but it's looking like low tier three high tier four thing which is like super bad compared to where it was before the balance changes so yeah definitely fungal fortunes was a big change hit it hard yeah pre pre-patch shaman was buff three cards class still unplayable so we're not at that level but uh yeah i guess we'll see what skolomens has to bring for it now hunter you would mention this i have seen so much hunter on the ladder i've seen highlander hunter and dragon hunter and face hunter uh, is this is this the top class right now? Yes, Highlander Hunter is currently the best deck in the game. Um, it's the only, it's the one Highlander deck that indeed did not get hit hard by the Dragon Queen Alex Straza nerf. Um, one interesting thing I saw is people started playing Frizz Kinderroost in order to discount Dragon Queen Alex Straza and get her back to the pre-patch form. So that seems to be a possible adjustment to that nerf. But overall, every other deck weakening, Demon Hunter not being as popular as it used to be. A lot of people are now playing Priest and Quest Warlocks. That's great news to Hunter. And there's a good reason why it's so popular. It's because it's just good. It's just looking like the best deck in the game right now. And Dragon Hunter is also looking good, but not as good as Highlander Hunter, at least based on these early few uh, few early days. I will say that Dragon Hunter is far from figure out. There are potential avenues that could improve it. One thing people might want to experiment with is adding the Enrage package, adding Beaming Psychic, Arg Merchants, and Amani Berserkers with uh, Bone True Brawlers. That is a package I've seen a little bit of, and, and there is promise uh, in that kind of build. So we'll have to wait and see, but Hunter looks very, very good. It has it carries the same beatdown playstyle. The Alex hurts, but it doesn't rely on it as much as other Highlander decks do. So Hunter's very, very good. If you want to win a lot, play Hunter. Obviously, we know that Hunter is usually an early front runner in a patch, and then it kinda can fall off a little bit. But this might be the occasion where Hunter sticks at the top until the next expansion. I can see it. Now, I know it's really early for card discussions, but there are kind of three different schools of thought on the high end. It's either uh, DQA or in a Grand Slam or in neither is most of what I'm seeing. Do you have a preference for, for which of those you'd like to see in the deck? 
you still play DQA regardless. Um, it's just it's just still a good late game card. It's not as powerful as it used to be, but you still run it. It has Dragon Synergy. Migrant Slam is very good against Priest. There are quite a bit of Priests on ladder right now, so the card is pretty decent. But again, I'll have Final Verdict on that card in next week's report. It's a bit too early to discuss uh, how cards perform in the current meta, so we'll wait on that. Makes sense. Now, Mage. Mage did suffer from both the DQA nerf and the Dragoncaster nerf. Did did Spell Mage show up at all, or are we just still playing Highlander Mage and are less happy? Highlander Mage is still the better deck. I will say that Highlander Mage is suffering from the success of Highlander Hunter, and Hunter in general, of course. Uh, Mage, we know, has one bad matchup, really bad matchup, which is the Hunter matchup. And when Hunter is so popular, it definitely hurts. Uh, the fact that Mage was also nerfed, hurts even more though i think that if the meta was a bit more favorable mage would have been able to deal with the fact that it's its card got nerfed because everything else also got nerfed right so it could deal with that but having to deal with such a high percentage of hunter on ladder makes it very difficult to succeed with mage i'm not saying it's 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 definitely not a tier four deck but it's definitely hovering a little bit below the average uh right now and as long as Hunter is this good, then Mage is going to suffer. Spell Mage did get better, uh, but it didn't get better to the extent where it's now super competitive or, you know, uh, a legitimate uh, threat. Uh, it's still too weak and too inconsistent to be a reliable uh, ladder climber, but it's a little bit better. It's possibly a fringe deck right now rather than just a straight up tier 4 deck that you shouldn't be taken to ladder at all it, it's it has some opportunities but we'll see it might get worse as the meta settles down uh it also suffers from the hunter matchup of course mage just doesn't like running into hunters yep that makes sense and uh and a little sneak preview it also suffers if it sees more wrench calibers and that might be something that happens as well um it remains to be seen now paladin the interesting thing about paladin uh, on our live Data Reaper, it is currently fighting with Hunter for the top spot on the tier list. What happened with Paladin? So that's these are class-wide stats, right? Paladin is not a super common class, and uh, most of its play is at the lower ranks. So when we don't have archetypes uh, inserted into the live data reaper then that's what happens like paladin's uh class that's a little bit inflated because of its popularity at lower levels of play so you have to be a little bit careful with that um but paladin is is better and the reason why paladin is performing well is murloc paladin so here's the thing about the current meta that's important for every aggressive deck to take note of you see less demon hunters as a result you see less warriors and also rogue got hit so all the classes that oppress early game strategies with their really strong removal in the early game uh, dropped in popularity, which kind of is currently opening up space for aggressive decks, synergy-based aggressive decks, to do better than they did before. Now, is it going to be a permanent fixture in, in the meta? I'm not sure, because if Aggro Demon Hunter rises in popularity again and brings the Warriors back, then that will be an issue for a deck like Murloc Paladin. But right now, Murloc Paladin looks pretty good. Uh, it performs really well against Hunter, obviously. It performs really well against Druid, though, as I said, Druid may drop uh, in popularity pretty soon. Um, so it's doing pretty well right now, but is it like one of the best decks in the meta? I'm not sure it's going to last because uh, it seems to be benefiting from the jankiness that we see in this patch and that people really don't know what to to do with decks right now. In an aggressive deck, that's pretty streamlined and didn't suffer any car chases. doesn't need to adjust at all. You just jam Murloc Paladin and you punish these these decks. So I, I expect that Murloc Paladin will drop in its win rate uh, as we go on, and I don't think it's a top-tier deck. I think it's... But it's definitely could be competitive. I can see it settling at Tier 2, maybe, 
maybe it could be a little bit worse at higher levels eventually, but it's okay. It's not it's not the return. I don't see the return of Paladin to the forefront of the meta here. When it comes to pure Paladin, it's another deck that's worth uh, mentioning. It got better as well, but not to the extent where it's now some seriously competitive deck. Uh, it still has its late game flaws, and I don't expect that to improve significantly as this meta settles down. So Paladin has its Murlocs. You can jam Murloc Paladin on ladder. It's pretty good, especially on the Climb the Legend. Pure Paladin, less so. But Paladin is definitely not dumpster tier. Well, I think we will consider that a uh, an interesting and successful impact of the balance changes from Blizzard. But yes, makes sense about the live data. I need to make sure that we don't take everything on there as a sign of this is the direction the meta is going in Hunter Paladin meta confirmed. So thank you for clarifying that. Um, now as far as Priest goes... All the decks we've talked about that are getting better are kind of good against Priest. Is Priest, like, in, in... People were worried that there was going to be a lot of Priest on ladder to counter a lot of Warrior. It seems like that's not really bearing out. Is that something that you see changing? Priest always disappoints, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh, players had high hopes that this is the patch that Priest, you know, wake... Uh, be Beware of the Priest mirrors that are going to arrive after this patch, but it's... Uh, Priest is not really... It might be that Priest even got worse because of the changes. Because Warrior dropped in popularity. And now you see a lot of Hunters. And Priest really doesn't want to run into Hunters. And that matchup didn't change much because of the Dragon Queen Alex Reznorf. Hunter actually uh, can adjust to that pretty easily. So uh, Priest is definitely in not in a good spot right now. And it's not even a good deck at Top Legend. Because you don't see the... Agar Demon Hunter Warrior narrow meta that we saw before. It could make its return, but I'm not very high on Priest. I don't think it's uh, particularly good at any level of play right now. And also, the Dormant variant, the Cube variant, got worse because of this patch because you just don't see as much Demon Hunters as you used to, and that variant was all about beating Demon Hunter. So Priest is disappointing, um, it's not garbage, but it's like, I expect to see it at like tier three, exactly where it was before the balance changes. That is such a classic expression of the priest class identity. Other classes get nerfed and priest gets worse. Is what it is. Now, as far as rogue goes, we were worried about the death of rogue and it looks like it's gotten worse, but has it died? Is there still hope for Edwin? Yeah, so Rogue, the our discussion of Rogue absolutely dying because of this patch was off. Um, Rogue is definitely not dead. It definitely got worse, and I'm not like a big fan of Rogue. It's very possible that it will eventually sink to a position uh, that's worse than the position where it was before the balance changes. Uh, but Rogue is decent. It's okay. Um, it got worse in the slow matchups. But it seems like the change to Galakrond doesn't really affect how it performs against Demon Hunter because that also got nerfed. And also, it might have improved against Warrior um, because Cash into an upgraded weapon was one of the ways that Warrior could really pressure the Rogue. So that might have been improved. The problem is that Rogue now doesn't beat Priest anymore. It does worse against things like Quest Warlock because you don't have the upgraded Galakrond, which means your late game swings are worse. So... I'm not a huge fan of Rogue, but it seems well-rounded. It's okay if against everything. It's a decent choice for ladder. It's pretty decent against both Demon Hunter and Hunter, but it's not like an outstanding deck by any means. And I don't expect it to be better than before the balance changes. I'll be surprised if it's it stays level. I expect it as the meta settles down, it will get worse. And... Um, that's pretty much it for Rogue. Um, as for discussion, whether you run Stealth or Secret, I'm kind of leading to Stealth again because it's better against Hunter and Demon Hunter. And Hunter is very popular right now. You definitely want to run Spy Mistress against Hunter. So that's pretty much it. Rogue got worse, definitely in a vacuum, possibly when you look at the context of the meta as well. But it's not Dumpster. Um, it will 
manage to escape from that until the next expansion. I know what I'm doing on stream today. I'm going to put two hungry crabs in Rogue and see what happens. Note, listeners, please don't do this. Please don't do that. Bad idea. I, I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that's a waste of time. I don't think Murloc Paladin is this deck, uh, format-defining deck that you need to tech against. Well, I'm not doing it because it's good. I'm doing it because it'll be funny. I don't know. A one mana, one, two beast, is that funny? Probably not. It's a little funny. So, speaking of things that are funny, the Shaman class... Uh, so there has been, there's been a deck making the rounds where it's Galakrond Totem Evolve Shaman. Uh, Zach, I will ask you, for players that are not specifically Jambre, how much is this beat? Nothing. It's garbage. Okay. If you're not Jambre, this deck is a waste of your time. Um, but, but, Shaman actually has a deck that looks more competitive right now, uh, which is Totem Shaman. Just Totem Shaman. Not the Evolve things, but the, you know, the bursty totem build from before the patch actually looks okay. But again, I will add the caveat that we're talking about a meta that has less Demon Hunters and less Warriors right now, uh, as well as less Rogues. So if two of these classes rise in play again, then Totem Shaman will get worse and worse over time. It also doesn't see enough play, so there's also a lot of Druids. Uh, basically, Totem Shaman is a very polarizing deck. It does really well against Druid and Priest, and it does really poorly against decks that excel in the early game. And what I see are the future meta trends is that decks like Druid and Priest are going to decline, and decks like Demon Hunter and Warrior are going to probably recover eventually. And when that happens, Totem Shaman is only going to get worse. So kind of the bottom line is based on the early patch impressions and the future meta trends that I see, is that Shaman is probably not going to be a thing uh, even now. Um, the Evolve build is just very, very weak. against its, It's good against Druid and Priest, and it's pretty bad against a lot of other things. So I'm definitely not impressed with it. It looks low tier 3 at best. And the totem build looks pretty good right now, pretty competitive right now, but it's probably going to get worse over time, much like Murloc Paladin. Yeah, makes sense. Shaman and Paladin getting worse over time, maybe a more iconic duo. Um, but glad to hear that there at least is a semi-viable strategy. Looking back at it, even before we covered the last two classes, it makes sense now why Druid is also getting so much worse. All of these go-wide aggro decks are such a nightmare for Druid. So it's not just the Fungal Fortunes nerf, it's all these other things. Yeah, that's a good point. Totem Shaman and Murloc Paladin absolutely destroy Druid. Like, it's just, they completely destroy them. So, while it's true that uh, the nerf for Fungal Fortunes is definitely affected Druid in the uh, meta matchups, you know, because it's easy to recognize why Fungal Fortunes was a big change, because I, I check the data and I look at the matchups and I see that the matchups against many other established meta decks from before the patch got worse. So it got worse in the context of the old meta as well. But you also have on top of it these decks that didn't really exist before that just snowball early games super hard with synergies, uh, synergy-based decks, and, and they just stomp through it. So that does make sense too. Now Warlock, we were pretty high on Warlock. It sounds like with the, with the way things are going, there's less of that Juicy Priest matchup to feast on. Um, is Quest Warlock what we should be expecting to see on the ladder? Is, does it look any good? I, it has a good amount of representation at the Master's Tour. Though there are also a couple players playing Galakrond Warlock. I have a lot more questions about that one. What are you seeing so far from, uh, from Gul'dan? Yeah, uh, Quest Warlock is good. It's definitely good, and it's not just because it beats Priest. It has a pretty good matchup spread against everything other than Hunter, and even the Hunter matchup is not that bad anymore. So even though Hunter is popular, and you might expect, oh, Quest Warlock is not good against them, that matchup is a lot closer than it used to be. And Quest Warlock, on the other hand, has a really good time against most other things, except Bomb Warrior, and Bomb Warrior is not very popular right now. So Quest Warlock is definitely better than it was before the balance changes, it's definitely a strong deck. Uh, I like it in tournaments right now. Um, and I think it's going to have a bigger uh, share of the meta uh, over the next couple of weeks. 
unless Bomb Warriors only come back in a big way, which I don't expect too much, but it's definitely a possibility. As for Galakorn Warlock, it's too early to tell. Uh, the deck is not popular enough to gather a, an, a real impression of it. Uh, we'll probably discuss it next week, next week's report, but I really don't want to make any big statements on, on Galakorn Warlock. Yeah, I was just surprised to see it at all because I thought that deck would, died with the Sack Pack nerf. Um, but it's, yeah, very, very few reports. So interesting to see Warlock is going through some interesting developments. Now, Warrior, Warrior is both less popular and is winning less. What happened here? And, and there are still the three major Warrior archetypes I think we can talk about, Enrage, Bomb, and, and Pirate. What's going on with Warrior? Yeah, so Warrior is, is not that much worse but it is worse than it was before the balance changes. It's a combination of two things. The first thing is that um, the cash change was significant, uh, both in its uh, mostly in slower matchups, but also in faster matchups too. Um, it might be that Warrior needs to enrage. Warrior needs to adjust to that change. I've seen some experimentation of cutting uh, one cash and a weapon, like reducing the weapon package for. Other things like a second Kokron Elite, that could be a, a smart adjustment in like an egg build. Um, you probably want to run eggs right now because they're good against Hunter and Hunter is really popular. So I can see Warrior adjusting to that nerf uh, and adjusting to the current meta uh, to do better. But it definitely is weaker. Uh, the second reason why it's weaker is because the meta is just very, very different. You see a lot more Priest right now, and a lot less Demon Hunter, which was the matchup that Warrior thrived off, and when you see less of them, then you're gonna do worse. Definitely. Is Warrior bad? Definitely not. Warrior is still a strong, and Rage Warrior is still a strong deck. Bomb Warrior is also a fine deck, and that's one deck that probably doesn't want to drop cash ever, because it really wants to draw its wrench caliber, but the changes definitely affected Warrior. Maybe not the directly or just directly by the cash change, but because of the nerf to Demon Hunter, which kind of slowed the meta down, offered other opportunities for other decks to emerge, That and these decks possibly have better matchups into, into Warrior. Warrior losing its best target makes sense for why it's not performing now. We'll see if we have enough time in this meta for things to stabilize but the strategy is still very powerful. With that being said, that's going to do it for a class-by-class -class review. And we should talk about not just the old, but the new, with the announcement of the new expansion, Skolomance Academy. It's a brand new set, was just announced. They're released in early August. We don't know the exact date yet per Blizzard, not an official date, but early signs are pointing to Tuesday, August 4th. It's probably that date. Based on the schedule, based on a release, a reveal schedule, it's probably going to be August 4th, but they didn't confirm it. Yeah, it's unconfirmed, but uh, I think we can say we feel fairly confident saying if you're looking to take a day off work on the day the expansion comes out, maybe that Tuesday, August 4th is a, is a good day to take off work. So uh, there are a couple key new mechanics that we do want to talk about. Uh, the most important one, I think, is the dual class cards. There are going to be 40 cards in the set, four per pair, 10 different pairs, uh, that are playable in two classes. Now, we're not going to read every single pair here, but the important thing to note is that each class has two buddy classes. So, for example, Demon Hunter uh, is friends with both Hunter and Warlock. So there will be four Demon Hunter and Hunter cards and four Demon Hunter and Warlock cards. Interesting thing about these dual class cards, they don't trigger something like Vendetta. They don't count as cards from another class. Vendetta asks... A rogue and mage card, are you a rogue card? It says yes, so Vendetta does not turn on. Uh, and also it will not deactivate pure paladin. So these cards uh, are also discoverable, for example. You have something that says discover a mage spell, you can discover a mage and shaman combined spell. So interesting note in how the mechanics work there. Uh, and then there's also a new mechanic called Spellburst. It is a one-time consumable effect after you play a spell if this minion is on the board. So it doesn't have to be the same turn, but it's one and done. Think of it as a wild pyromancer that would only trigger one time. Uh, and uh, there are quite a few different ways to design this effect. So we've got a few of them here. We're going to go card by card in 13 cards they revealed so far. 
Zach, any comments before we get in? Yeah, basically the return of mean streets of Gadgetan, where you have a card that uh, is unique to multiple classes rather than one. Um, interesting, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it, they can take it uh, a different way that they did for mean streets of Gadgetan. Mean streets of Gadgetan, they did it very tribalistically, where you had like the jade, so every class played the jade deck, which kind of felt generic. But it seems like they're going on a more unique approach where, you know, a class can share, two classes can share the same card, but it has different applications for each one. Yeah, and it'll be kind of funky because any of the classes in the middle can also play the dual class cards from both combinations. So you could have a mage deck with rogue and mage cards and rogue and warrior cards. Things bleed over a little bit. I'm curious to see how far they stretch class identity. Curious to yeah, see. And it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how you balance things. Like one of the difficult challenges that I can see in the future is what if a card is really, really powerful in one class, but not another. And then you nerf that card, but you hit a deck that you didn't want to hit. So there are definitely challenges that come with this kind of design. But it is interesting because it makes... Uh, it diversifies classes a little bit. It makes them similar in a way, but within the class, it can feel very different if you play different decks from that same class. So that's kind of interesting. Yes. It looks cool. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we do have some new cards to cover. First one, uh, Shando Wildclaw. It's a Druid and Hunter Split Legendary. It is a 3-mana three 3-3. Three, three. Choose one. Give beasts in your deck plus one plus one or transform into a copy of a friendly beast. Teleseth and Taldoram. Had a baby. But Beast Druid hasn't been a thing forever. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, so the Beast portion kind of suggests more of a Hunter thing. But, you know, we had Druid Beast decks in the past. But this card seems, like, very powerful. I mean, we're talking about a Keliseth for Beast. It's kind of a deck-building restriction, but not as big as the Keliseth one. It's a turn slower, so that definitely has an effect. But the copy beast, like you immediately think about King Crush with Dino Tamer Brand, and that seems kind of devastating. We know that Wild Decks kind of tried to run double brand in order to hit for 16, but this seems like the fact that you can use it earlier uh, on turn three and just, you know, have a bigger beast and have in, immense pressure. You can develop so much pressure through that card uh, by playing it on turn three. Definitely seems interesting for Hunter, more so than Druid. Yeah, I think so. What I'm more interested in doing, I want to go Scavenger's Ingenuity and a 3-drop on turn 5 and then Big Zixor and copy it on turn 6. There's a lot of opportunity there. I do question if we'll have the Beast Entity to buff Beast and Deck because that's been something that's never really worked out, but maybe they'll print a lot of new Beasts to support it. Um, moving on, we have Wand Thief, a Mage and Rogue split card. It's a 1-mana one 1-2 one combo. Discover a mage spell. This is cool. This card is just good. Like, just good. It's not a one-drop, but it's just good. You, uh, there will be a lot of decks that will be interested in this card from both classes. Yep. I don't know if I'd play it in current Galakrond Rogue, but I'd play it in current Highlander Mage in one second. I, I, I would probably play this in Galakrond Rogue right now. It's just really, really good. Just good value card and good tempo card. I like it. Uh, all right. The scary card, Lightning Bloom. It's a Druid and Shaman common. Uh, zero mana spell. Gain two mana crystals this turn only. Overload two. Druid says free mana. Shaman says not sold separately. Uh, but this is Innervate. Now it's Innervate with Overload, but it's Innervate. Uh, Zach, what do you think about this card? There's been a lot of discussion about it already. Yeah, this card seems really strong. Uh, the fact that it's strong kind of tells you how insane Innervate used to be. Uh, that you're t looking at this card and you're saying, oh, this card is good. Uh, you definitely immediately think about um, Spell Druid. Uh, would love to have this card right now because it runs something... Wait, you have to run something like Moonfire in the current meta in order to get Mount Cellar going. So you would definitely swap Moonfire for this. This card seems very powerful, but outside of the context of the Spell Druid deck that you think of immediately... This is just pure tempo, just strong tempo. And any deck 
that wants to develop stats on a specific turn would want to play this card. Now, I can see this card being played in a variety of Druid and Shaman decks. Just good. I, I'm curious about playing it in the early game as much because uh, I think the Innervate play that a lot of people think of is Innervate Vicious Fledgling on turn one. You can still do something like that, but you skip the second turn now, so it seems a little bit trickier to use in the early game. As far as late game combo enabling, uh, that's it still does just fine. Um, so curious to see if you'll be able to build an aggro deck around Innervate the way that you used to, but the, the mid-game stuff and Spell Druid, like you said... Um, I am very glad they nerfed DQA so we don't have to deal with turn 4 overgrowth, turn 5 lightning bloom, DQA, play 2 dragons, because that would have been pretty unpleasant to deal with. Uh, so, Wretched Tutor is our next card. It's a neutral common, a 4 mana 2-5. Spellburst, deal 2 damage to all of their minions. So again, Spellburst triggers on the first spell you play, after you play this card, can be the coin, doesn't have to be the same turn, and it only happens one time. So, seems like a tech card to me, but it could be a pretty powerful one. I see it more than a tech card. So remember, it has to be on the board in order to trigger. But this is kind of like a pyromancer, like a bigger pyromancer. So like any control deck that runs a, a bunch of spells will could be interested in this card. Um, and it also doesn't damage itself. So you can just make a pretty big tempo swing with this card. I immediately think of Control Librem Paladin where this is such a good combination with Librum of Justice or Librum of Wisdom as well. Um, but Rogue, a class that generally doesn't have AoE, can suddenly have access to AoE through Discard because it runs a lot of cheap spells anyway. It likes to run like Backstab and Prep, possibly. And you have Mage, you have Druid that can abuse this card. I think Wretched Tutor is... A very promising neutral that I can see being used by a variety of classes. And it's kind of, it's got that imprisoned observer effect where if your opponent plays this against you on an empty board and you have a satyr overseer in your hand, what do you do? Because you can just keep that spellburst charge for as long as you want. Uh, speaking of spellburst, next up we also have Goody Two Shields, a Paladin Rare, a three mana 4 2 with Divine Shield, spellburst gain Divine Shield. This card is just pushed. Seems really good. Yeah. It's pushed. Three mana, four two with Divine Shield. Forget about the spell burst. That's that's already feels like a card that should be four mana rather than three. And then you add the spell burst where if you don't kill this, you can make a trade and then regain the Divine Shield. This card can put so much pressure. And something like Pure Paladin really lacks in the three mana slot. So this seems like a card that immediately goes into that kind of deck. But it's just a good tempo card. It can push a lot of pressure. It's worse against faster decks that already flood the board because it's easier to trade into Divine Shield uh, with a small ping or a small minion and just kill it. But it still commands resources to remove it. So And again, in slower matchups, this is very threatening. Yeah. It's a 4-attack minion with Divine Shield against Priest, which is pretty good. Uh, if you were against a warrior and you play this on an empty board and they hit it with a weapon and then you Blessing of Kings it, they die. Uh, there are a lot of ways for this to work. 3-mana, 4-attack, and a bubble. Uh, I agree, it seems pushed. I'd be surprised if this didn't make Pure Paladin a lot better. Oh man, Blessing of Kings. I didn't even think about Blessing of Kings. Imagine your opponent goes Corsair Cash on 2, Weapon on 3, and they smack this to take the Divine Shield off, and then you Blessing of Kings right back. Your opponent has died. They lose the game. Yeah, you have. You can't even. You can't even. If you run Blessing of Kings, you can't even ping this. You can't even injure this. You have to outright kill it, or you yep. just. And if you don't kill it, it's a four-two Divine Shield. You put Kings on it. It's just over. Yeah, this card is really good. Yep. I, I mean, Paladin. I, I mean, I think that people are not enthusiastic about this card because uh, Paladin seems weak right now. But this is the kind of card that can help it stop being weak. Yeah. Uh, we've got a bunch of sticky two drops, and there's another there's another Paladin card that we'll talk about in a minute that I think also will really help the deck get some good early game. Uh, so, we should get going, though. Diligent Note-Taker is our next card. It's a Shaman Rare, a 2-mana, two 2-3. Two, spell Burst, return the spell to your hand. This also seems quite strong to me. This is like card draw. It's a 2-mana, two 2-3 two, draw card. You just need to... Um activate it with a spell and you du duplicate it. So 
it's it seems when you think about it like that, it seems like a powerful effect. Definitely has potential. It's very difficult to apply this when you don't see the whole set. So there will probably be spells that work well with it uh, that we haven't seen before. But on the surface, this seems like a good card. Yeah. The application that I want to use this in the most, Diligent Note Taker Storm's Wrath Storm's Wrath. That's what I want to do right now. I want to give my board plus two plus two. Yeah, that seems like a really strong application. Yeah. But we'll see how it works out because that means you have to have a wide board as a shaman on your four mana turn, which is uh, questionable. So, Nature Studies. This is a Druid Common. Now, this is a cycle. Uh, it's, a, it's apparently a cycle of primordial glyph equivalents where you discover a spell and then get back the mana you spent on the study to discount the, or discover a, a card type and then get back the mana you spent on the next card you play of that type. So this is the first example we have. Nature Studies is a Druid Common. It's a one mana spell. Discover a spell. The next spell you play costs one less. Note, it does not say the spell you discover, and it does not say this turn. Yep. This card is just good. This card seems crazy to me. Seems like we're undoing the Fungal Fortunes nerf, or we're playing Overgrowth for three. That seems crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this card is straight up insane. It's more about, it's probably going to range from good to insane. Like, I can see it being good. I can see it being insane. I can't see it being bad, though. Uh, because it just works so well with Spell Druid right now. And it just opens up other things that you could possibly abuse it with. It just a, a, it's basically a zero mana card. So seems very good to me. Yeah. Uh, and if it can discover itself, which it, it should be able to, uh, then you can have a lot of beasts with your exotic mount seller. But we'll see. We'll see if that ends up being uh, what we do. Uh, next up, Devolving Missiles. It's a Mage and Shaman epic spell for one mana. Shoot three missiles at random enemy minions that transform them into ones that cost one less. This is a very strange card. So can this spell hit the same minion multiple times and reduce it consecutively in the same, I would ex- on the same turn? I would expect yes. I would expect it works like arcane missiles, except it can't go face and everything it hits just gets transformed. I, I would assume you can transform mid mid missiles. I think you can hit the same thing three times. That would be my guess. It, if you can, then this card is really good. Like it's a it's basically for a single target, it's almost like a like a polymorph for a four drop uh for one mana. If it, like if you have one minion on the board, you can just silence it that way, or basically poly it. And if you have multiple minions, it's it's like devolve for one mana in many ways. So it's like it's not as strong as a devolve for a wide board, but it's more powerful when there are a couple of minions on the board than devolve. And we know how good devolve was as a card. So to me, this card seems like an easy inclusion for a lot of mage and shaman decks. Yeah, it's it's a uh... Definitely a good tempo card. Devolve was played a lot in tempo decks. You can play it in control decks as well as kind of a master spell. Um, it's weird. It's hard to evaluate. I will say I'll be very happy to play this in Rogue when I discover it off of Wand Thief. I'll be very happy about that. I think this card is just good. I, I can't see it not being played. It just does too many things for one mana. Good against Edwin. Very good against Edwin. Uh, transforms Edwin into a Wisp. So... Next up, Frazzled Freshman. Priest Common. One mana, one four. That's it. Boring, but interesting. Hmm. In the same time, because Priest probably needs more buffs to take advantage of this card. Uh, But it definitely has potential. The thing I'm most concerned with is that Priest doesn't have card draw. So if you want to play an aggressive deck, that takes advantage of a one mana one four that kind of you want to snowball off of. Then the issue with the class is that it just runs out of gas. This is why, you know, tempo priest decks haven't really worked out in this expansion. So if we see some card draw added for priest, then I'm going to be more optimistic about this card scene play. But if that doesn't happen, then a one mana one four doesn't do much by itself. 
I wish this was legal the same time Shadow Ascendant had been legal because these two would be good friends. But, but yeah, uh, one mana, one four. We'll see if upgradable frame bot for Priest on turn one is, is good enough. Uh, next up, we've got a Paladin Common. First day of school, zero mana spell at two random, one cost minions to your hand. Note this is random, not class. They can be from any class. Uh, this seems like what Pure Paladin was looking for. We never had good one drops. They had to buff one to give us one. And now we can have any one drops. Yeah, when you have a card like Hand of a Doll, you want one drops. And this is basically a turn one play, but it's better than a turn one play, right? Because it's also a turn two play. It's also a spell you can utilize later in the game. And it's basically a better Firefly. That's how I see it. It's a better Firefly. And we know how good Firefly was. Uh, on average, this is better. It's a decent value card and a decent tempo card at the same time and just helps Paladin fill the early game curve. Just good. Yeah, and there will be games where you get Wand Thief off of this and kill your opponent with a Pyroblast as a Paladin and uh, Frolden will be very happy to see you. Yeah. The card is just really, really strong. I think this is one of the stronger cards in this set. Yeah. So far. Both Paladin cards look really, really good. Um, all right, we've got a neutral rare cult neophyte. It is a two mana three two battle cry. Your opponent spells cost one more next turn. It's like a mini Lotheb, a very smallish Lotheb. I can see it being played. Might not be good enough for most decks, but I can see like an aggressive deck that wants to play this card depending on the meta. Yeah, you really want it on curve to stop a specific on curve removal spell. Playing it against, well, either any deck holding the coin or, like, you play it on turn 7 against Priest to stop the Soul Mirror or something like that. Um, but it's pretty narrow, so I, I, it looks techish. It might be generically good in some deck. I can see it because it has an effect that's pretty good against most things, can be good against most things, but um, definitely not in a super exciting card. Yes. Next up, we've got Rattlegore, a warrior legendary. A 9-mana, nine 9-9 nine, nine Death Rattle. Resummon this with minus 1, minus 1. Now, how this card works with the resummoning, uh, these are hard-coded copies, so when it comes back, it comes back as a 9-mana, 8-8. It doesn't keep any other debuffs or anything. It's just, there are, it's kind of nesting dolls. But don't think that if you, if you give it like, some kind, if you subdue a 9-9 nine, nine Rattlegore, and it's a 1-1 one, one, and then it dies, your opponent still gets back an 8-8. Eight, eight. So... Sticky minion uh, for Warrior to play at the end of the game. What do you think? I can see this being very good, and I can see this being very trash, depending on what we see for the rest of the set. If Warrior has a way to cheat this out, then I can see it being used. If Warrior doesn't have, if you have to play it on turn 9, then I don't think this card sees play. Uh, it's just very, very slow. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of Anubarak, uh, where it's just like this really annoying, super powerful late game threat that never end up seeing play because it was a little bit too fair. This is probably, this is a lot better than Anubarak though. Yes. Uh, because the stats are just so much, you get so much stats for this card and it's kind of a, provides some inevitability. But again, as I said, it's just very, very slow. Unless you can cheat it out. I don't see it being played. Yeah. We'll see. Now, uh, as far as late game warrior cards go, Troublemaker, an 8-mana 6-8 warrior rare. At the end of your turn, summon two 3-3 three, three ruffians that attack random enemies. Note that this can go face. Cards that go face and have a continuing effect. That reminds me of Priestess of Fury. And yes. this is a very similar card to that. Uh, this card seems like a really strong top end. For an aggressive deck or like a mid-range deck. Or you know what? Even You know, this card just seems good, right? I'm not crazy. It's 12-14 in stats for 8 mana. And you get 6 attack right away. Uh, yes, this seems good to me. Yeah, this is a very strong card. Uh, it just has, has to be removed on the turn it's played. Has immediate impact on the board. Nutty stats upon entrance and can just win the game if it ever lives one more turn. Like, it just ends the game in a lot of matchups. So, 
definitely a, a very powerful card. Yeah, I feel like that first turn, it's like an 8-mana 6-8 Wind Fury Rush, and that the first attack is random. It, it feels like it just it kills things right away. Um, also, if you ever see this card in Arena, you should take it. Yeah, probably. Um, and then our last card that we're going to cover, Onyx Mage Scribe. It's a neutral common, a 6-mana 4-9 Dragon. Spellburst, add two random spells from your class to your hand. Eh. This card is probably too slow, in my opinion. Uh, the stats are good. It's got Boulder Fist Ogre stats, uh, kind of. It's it's very survivable. Uh, so it's if you play it on turn six, nine health is hard to remove. So you can probably do utilize the spell burst in order to gain two random spells. But is the effect that powerful? I don't think so. The card doesn't protect you. Doesn't have an immediate impact on the board. In Hearthstone, usually these cards don't see play. Zach, I've got three words for you: Power of Creation. When you make this off Power of Creation, and then you play a spell, you are getting four random mage spells in your hand. So it'll be a high roll hit. But yeah, I don't think we're putting this in decks. Yeah, I think most of the highlights from this card will be from exactly that, Power of Creation. Good okay. shout. So you can evolve into it. The thing about Spellburst that I like more over Battlecry is that if you evolve into these cards or you generate these cards, you can still get the effect, as opposed to Battlecries where they just sit there. All right. Hey, we got through all 13 cards. That's what we have listed for the show today. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, so we have the final report next week on the 23rd. It will have a very comprehensive view of the meta. As I said, it's very early right now. What I said uh, in this podcast might not apply for next week. Most of the things I said are probably going to pan out the way uh, the way I envision it, but... There will be more discoveries, I assure you. So tune in for that. It will also be the last Data Reaper report for Ashes of Outland. After that, look forward for the comprehensive card preview article of Vicious Syndicate, which is a very popular article that a lot of you enjoy reading. Uh, we will go over every card in the, in the upcoming set uh, and evaluate in the context of having seen the entire set because it's much more difficult to evaluate the card when you didn't see, when you don't see all the other cards as well, um, so look forward to that. And also, there will be, of course, a theory crafting article uh, for you to look forward to. So that will come the week after the next, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and we'll figure out the format that we want to use the for the podcast for on the twenty fourth and thirty first. By the thirty first, in two weeks, we'll have all the cards, and uh, we are not going to go card by card for the entire expansion. So. I imagine that we'll look for highlights and, and particular theory crafts that might work out, as well as brief touches on the meta. We'll see where we go. We haven't really done an expansion cycle on the show yet, Zach. Yeah, we didn't. I'm looking forward to that. Should be interesting. So, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, looking forward to that next report next week, the last report of the Ashes of Outland expansion. Five balance patches, been a crazy ride. We'll see where Skolomance takes us. Big thanks to Steven Sensei for her intro and outro. That's all for us here at Vicious Syndicate, and we'll talk to you next week. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.